Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's the kind of day we live for on programs like these. Our first football Monday of the year as we welcome you into the Lombardi line alongside former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. I'm Stormy Tony. What a Sunday it was and it's not over because what a Monday night we have ahead with the Jets and the highly anticipated debut of Aaron Rodgers in a green uniform taking on the Buffalo Bills later on tonight. Michael, how are we doing, my friend? We are good, Stormy. What a nice start to the season. You know, uh, we knew road teams would be formidable, and they were. And we knew some teams would be good, and they were. And we got a few surprises, which Mm -hmm. is great. I I think it's a wonderful uh, start to the season, and we can all overreact, as we will do. (laughs) Yes, our first overreaction Monday of the season as yeah. well, Michael. And and you, i I got to start off on this foot. You are going to have two unbearable co-hosts on the Lombardi uh, line. I already if have this, one. If the season goes the way oh. that it started with the Cowboys and 49ers, you're in for a treat this year, my friend. Yeah, I I, I know. But at least, and I, and I, I love that the Niners are winning because, you know, I'm with you on the Niners. I'm, I grew up there. It's my first team. And I don't mind the Cowboys, but I, I was able to take a little bit of the starch out of him because you, his boy, who he owns an MVP ticket on, uh, is didn't have a good day. So I was asking him at the end of the podcast, how much of the MVP ticket did he rip after week one? Did he go halfway down to rip the ticket or did he rip it completely? Of course, he won't reveal that until <laughs> Thursday, but... Look, the two teams combined for what, 70 to 7? I mean, what was the final score? That one's it was 70 to 7. Yeah. Two teams dominated. The two games that were out of hand immediately. I mean, at what point did you realize the Niners were winning that game? When it was 20 nothing. I mean, but honestly, though, so I try not to get too excited on opening drives because I feel like Kyle Shanahan is always really good at that game script out the gate. So it was once Mm -hmm. we got to that second offensive opportunity where you could feel that they were rolling. And when it goes up 20 to nothing, Pittsburgh wasn't able to do anything. I just felt like the the doors were going to get blown off. 
Yeah, that was it, right? And last night, I mean, you know, all this fanfare, all this conversation all offseason about the Giants and Daniel Jones is $40 million and Barkley and the United and all the heat that I had to take listening to them tell me how good they are. You know, they laid a big egg. I mean, let's face it, they laid one of the biggest eggs you can lay on the weekend in front of a national TV audience. I mean, look, uh, who was sticking around for that one? Yeah. I mean, only us diehards were sticking around for that one. So it was bad. Uh, and it was worse when you watch the game again. It was worse because for me, it was about the Giants losing sight of who they really are. I mean, okay, you get a punt block, you get a field goal block for a touchdown. That happens. It shouldn't, but that happens. I mean, the cause of the reason it happens is because the play before the long snapper has a bad snap, and now all of a sudden, instead of having a, a chip shot, we've got a longer field goal. Put that aside. They come out. They come out. They're down 7 nothing. Now, the Giants have typically always been a team that wants to play close, keep the game reduced, and try to get it to the fourth quarter. They want to slow it down. They're Princeton in offense. They're basketball, right? And they come out and throw three passes, and the next thing you know, now they punt it back, give up a 49-yarder. Now they're down 13 to nothing. And, you know, when they're playing from behind like that, that's not, that's not who the Giants are. The Giants have to play connected. They can't throw it. They're not good enough in the passing game with their quarterback and their pass and their offensive line to throw it. They have to play their style. And yesterday, they, I think they thought they were somebody else, and they weren't. 40 to nothing, your final in that one, despite the Cowboys being just a three-point favorite in the game. The total stays under that 44 and a half, and, and you mentioned it there. You start off with the blocked field goal that goes for a touchdown, a pick six later in the quarter. It was like offense, defense, special teams, just error-prone the entire way for, for the Giants, and then the weather certainly didn't help either. If, if you are a fan of the New York Giants, where's your panic meter at this point? I know it's only week one, and there's a lot there's a lot of <laughs> runway yeah. here left, but where's your panic meter right now? Well, it, it goes back to focus, right? A lot of people ask me since the new book came out, what's the similarities between Belichick and Walsh? What, what do Walsh, Belichick, and Al Davis have in common, you know, besides working in the NFL and winning Super Bowls? Well, the one thing they have in common is focus. They understand the urgent and important. They understand the main thing. And I think the Giants lost the main thing. They, they convinced themselves that Daniel Jones is going to take this mother may I step forward. We paid him $40 million. That's your fault, not mine. But they, they kind of lost sight of who they are offensively. They have to play a game where it's second and four, third and two. Let him be the running back. Let him complete passes. Maybe take a shot here and there. But they're not going to be – this explosive offense. They're just not. That's not what they're set up to do. They got to give their right tackle a lot of help at times. Evan Neal, their first round pick from Alabama. They got to help him, their offensive line inside. And you don't want to get in a game where you got to throw the ball all the time against the Cowboy front, which they couldn't block. So to me, the, the best thing that ever happened to the Giants, if you're a Giant fan, is the, this loss. Mm -hmm. Because Dayball sits in his office today and he's got to realize hey, we won nine games last year and 10 with the playoff win because the style of the way we played, we can't abandon that anymore. 
Yeah, won nine games last season, 13-4 and four against the spread, 14-5 and five ATS if you include the playoffs. So they were a team that was certainly worth backing a season ago. Not working out week one, but week two, an opportunity against the Cardinals potentially to get a few things right before you move forward in what's a very difficult schedule for this Giants team. They're a four-and-a-half-point favorite in Arizona, total 38-and-a-half, rather, for that week two game. What did you make of, of Mike McCarthy, first game back as the play caller for this team as well? And we saw Tony Pollard, a guy who, despite coming off of a broken leg, didn't look like he missed a beat. No, it looked good. You know, look, what I made of the game was McCarthy called the game like a head coach. He called the game like he was watching the game. And what do I mean by that? He saw that his defense was in complete control, that he saw that if he didn't screw this thing up, that they were going to win. And so when, when he was able to come down the field and kick the field goal, when he was able to come down and have 11 play drive after the turnover and gain 23 yards, and, you know, and, and, and put the ball in the end zone, of course, a lot of that was helped by penalties. And then he's up, now he's up, now he's up 6, 13, and uh, 12, and then he scores the touchdown, the game over. And I think he called the game that way. He called it so that he didn't lose it. Meanwhile, down 95, my man Ron Rivera, we missed you on Sunday, but he was trying to help out the Arizona Cardinals the best he could because he was going <laughs> to give them, them the ball. He handed them 10 points, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's going to give him the ball. I thought McCarthy called the game like a head coach because he left when the plane lifted off from Newark Airport, he left with the win. He didn't leave with the stats that make the analytical community happy. You know, he averaged 4-8 a play. That's going to be very disappointing to the analytical community. However, he left with the win, which is the most important number of all. Now let's go to the other contender in the NFC, my San Francisco 49ers. Another dismantling, yeah. um, like we referenced off the top with the Pittsburgh Steelers. 30-7 to the final. Steelers plus two backers were running to buy in on the other side as soon as they could in that game. Um, and Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin, not one to mince words, Michael, and he didn't after the game. Take a listen. It was a failure on our part in all areas. You know, we got to coach better. We got to play better. Um, we talked about a lot of the things and worked on a lot of the things that unfolded in the ways that we didn't want them to. And so we go back to the drawing board. We accept responsibility, obviously, for the outcome. Uh, we compliment those guys on the quality work that they did. We absorb the negativity that comes with how we perform today, and we go back to work. Um, we got to prepare them better. They got to play better. Um, and that's just the reality of it. Um, we got kicked in the teeth today. Michael, how much of this game to you was those of us from the outside looking in, maybe underrating the 49ers a little bit and overrating the Steelers to an extent? Because a lot of people, not just you and I, thought that the Steelers were going to keep this close. Yeah, I thought it would be a really close game. Remember, not, not just you and I. I mean, all week long, nobody was betting the 49ers. I mean, it ended up on Sunday. No, there was never anyone out there betting the Niners. If you were, I tip my cap to you because you were on that side. And that worried me. That always worries me because I hate to be on the, the, the consensus side. You know, it's like we talked about on Sunday when we, when we, when we do the, when we review the, the circuit contest, who, what's the consensus pick? I think they went three and two, according to Bill AD's newsletter this morning. You know, the consensus is never the where you want to be because they don't have those chandeliers in there based on consensus. So that worried me a little bit about this. But I think it, the number was reflective of, A, how well the Steelers played last year. B, how well they played this summer. And C, everybody was hesitant about Brock Purdy. Yeah. Was, he, was he just not going to be able to come back? Well, the first four drives of the game proved that. You know, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, field goal, game over. Meanwhile, you know, the Steelers went punt, interception, punt, punt, game mm -hmm. over.
Yeah, the, you know, the Steelers I mean, punted or that, turned the ball over on each of the first five possessions of the game. That's That was the game, right? And so, you know, look, we miscalculate some things based on last year. I think when we – the two teams that finished strongly last year, Detroit and Pittsburgh, Detroit didn't play their A game. You and I both know that. They won, which is great. But that – being held to 14 points with Chris Jones not in the lineup for Kansas City, you would have said Kansas City wins that game a thousand times. Yep. But they won the game and credit the Lions for that. When you don't play your best and still win, that's a that's a feather in your cap. And I think they deserve credit. But the Steelers didn't match where they were last year. Maybe they read their press clippings, but you could just tell that nothing that happened on that field, Pittsburgh wasn't prepared for. They didn't execute. And that's what Tomlin was saying in that press conference. Yeah, the 49ers offense made the Steelers' D look bad. One that I do still have faith in as we go throughout the season, I think that they'll get a lot of things together. T.J. Watt, when he was on the field with the Steelers' defense a year ago, they were averaging allowing around 17 points per game. So I think they'll get that stuff corrected. But credit the 49ers for the creativity they came with. The utilization of Christian McCaffrey, who goes for over 150 yards. Brandon Ayuk was tremendous as their wide receiver won yesterday. Eight catches, two of them went for six, 129 yards receiving for him and Nick Bosa said it pretty well when it comes to his starting quarterback and Brock Purdy that he shut some haters up yesterday and and he looked healthy from the elbow surgery how could you hate Brock Purdy (laughs) like who's the only people hating Brock Purdy are all the people that think Trey Lance is going to be the MVP of the league I mean Uh, how can you hate Brock Purdy the uh, guy's Mr. Irrelevant and he's a starting quarterback I mean like how can you hate that kid you gotta love it 220 yards two touchdowns for Purdy we got more recapping of an NFL Sunday when we come back Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your life sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here 
This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Our very own Michael Lombardi has just written his second book, Football Done Right, setting the record straight on the coaches, players, and history of the NFL. Now, for a limited time, you can get a free copy of the book when you become a VEASAN Pro Annual subscriber. Just sign up on a new VEASAN Pro Annual subscription today and use the promo code LOMBARDI. You'll get the book as well as an entire year of VEASAN Pro access to our daily best bets, season prep betting guides, 24-7 video, and pro tools like our exclusive betting splits. Remember that code LOMBARDI when you sign up for the Pro Annual subscription vcin.com slash subscribe that's how you do it so excited to have the book out now i've got a couple of long flights to the east coast coming up michael so i know how i will be spending the time um and and we continue what was a busy nfl sunday yesterday michael the best most exciting day of game of the day and it was not close was chargers dolphins we saw nine no lead changes two ties <laughs> the dolphins end out come end up coming out on top 36 34 your final cashing is a plus 140 money line dog uh plus three comes through over 51 comes through but what a show for both teams most notably Tua tunga vailoa and tyree kill I, I mean can i ask you a question like what co- what side of the ball does brendan staley coach like <laughs> how did I- like, I, I knew that it was going to go Staley. I knew it. Well, he's so endured by the analytical community. I mean, he's the greatest coach of all time. And people like I got people on Twitter telling me I'm too hard on him. And he's really a mastermind. Like maybe we might want to think about double and Tyreek Hill. I don't know. I'll throw it out there. Just maybe. I don't know. You know, it might be a good idea to maybe put a guy over him and and a guy on top, he's still going to catch passes. I'm not saying you're going to shut him out, but it might be a good idea to double him. I mean, like, are you kidding me? 215 yards? Here's the, here's the story, and I think the stats in this game are a little misleading in this, on the Charger front, right? The, 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 the Dolphins average 16.6 per average per completion. And all the Chargers did. Now, Mike Williams got dinged up a little bit. He averaged mm-hmm. nine. They averaged nine nine. They couldn't throw the ball. They ran the ball for 234 yards, but they really couldn't throw it. They never really had control. And what saved them was their red zone. They were four for five in the red zone. That kept them close. We would be talking about the the Chargers' stagnation on offense if the if Miami would have been a better red zone defense. But some at some point you got to take away the best player. At some point, you can't just let the guy come straight. You don't have anybody who could cover him. It's not fair to the players. You can't, you can't cover this guy. He is the best receiver in football. I've been saying it for three years. Like, nobody can cover this guy. He's fast. He's explosive. He's got elite hands. I mean, it's amazing. It, it drove me crazy watching the game. And, and, and here's the thing, and I don't want to pick on anybody, but I will. The reality of it is, is the game is there for the Chargers to win. There's a minute 40 to go. Now, you, I don't know if you had a ticket on Miami, but when, when they missed the field goal, when they missed the extra point, everybody that had the Miami ticket breathed a sigh of relief because if they lost the game, they're going to lose by one, right? Yeah. Yep. They could go down there and kick the field goal and win it. And they have a chance to win it, and they can't get even – they get one first down and they have get sacked. When they had to throw the ball the best – 
the joystick man couldn't come up with three good plays? Are you kidding so, me? So that's what I was going to follow up with, Michael, because we'll get back to the Tyreek Hill of it all in a moment. But when it comes to, yes, joystick, Kellen Moore obviously comes in as offensive coordinator for the Chargers this year. There was an expectation that we were going to see <laughs> some shots being taken. Um, Justin Herbert already with the tools that he has in the passing game, taking it one step further. And it was largely the the – to your point, you can't dial something up in that situation. And then largely running the football in this situation felt a little bit odd. Yeah, I, I mean, I just didn't understand it. You know, like, I think to me, you know, the all I heard about, read about, was how he was going to change this offense. Yeah. And I'm one of the proponents that they need to run the ball. I, I'm not going to dispute that. But It's just not what we, gotta, we were expecting. Know, no, of course not. And then what about, like... What about you have all offseason to prepare for Miami? Their backup left tackle, Kendall Lamb's in there, and you've got two of the highest paid defensive linemen in the game today, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, making over fifty million combined on the salary cap. And you can't get any pressure on a backup offensive line in Miami? Like what what are we doing here? And our guy Elliot just piping in my ear there that the Chargers defense the most expensive? Is that, is that right? The most expensive in the NFL. Well, they got, so. they got two of the most expensive players. I mean, look, they... It's all bottled up in them. Bosa, I mean, when you break down the teams, I mean, Bosa's, Bosa's salary number and his cash number are exuberant. And, and, okay, Khalil Mack, he got his contract redone this year. He counts $16 million on the cap. They redid his deal. The same thing they did with Bosa. They both have minimum salaries. But they, they count 16 and $15 million on the cap. They, they're one of the highest-paid players in football, and they got nothing. J.C. Jackson is their highest-paid player on the team, and the last you saw was he was eight yards behind Tyreek Hill. And that's who I want to go back to here. Tua finishes the day, 466 yards, fourth all-time passing yards in a season opener in NFL history, three touchdowns, did have the one interception. He improves to 10-5-1 in his career as an ATS dog. Tyreek Hill, 215 yards receiving, 11 catches, two touchdowns, third most yards in a season opener for the NFL. He said this offseason that he was going for over 2,000 yards. He wants to be the NFL career record holder for a single season in terms of yards. With, I love that you can do the on-pace numbers, even though the one-game sample size. On pace for over 3,600 yards, Michael. But I, he said post-game, maybe I'm not a cheetah. I'm a lion, baby. Can't nobody guard me. Uh, first player now in NFL history with three separate games of 10-plus catches, 200-plus receiving yards, and two or more touchdowns. And this is a guy who we are already seeing the market move on him to lead the league in receiving yards. Opened up 8-1, to one, now 2-1. to one. He was also in the preseason 7-1. to one. Um, um, two lead league interceptions, 11 to 1 for receiving touchdowns. Both of those I see off the board at DraftKings right now. 12 to 1, though, for Offensive Player of the Year. So just giving you guys a little bit of an idea for what could come there. And, and again, credit yeah. where credit is due for Tua, who, who really showed what he could be made of. And if you listen to the, the GM shuffle, we have him as the number one receiver in football. This is before this yep, all happened. Yep. Nobody covers him. Nobody can cover this guy. Like this guy, is, and he makes, I mean, I look, Tua, Tua, Help them a little, you know, the turnover in the reds, two red zone turnovers, or else if two things happen in this game, Tua turns the ball over twice, and the Dolphins' red zone defense was bad. If those two things don't really happen, this is a blowout, and it shouldn't be a blowout. I mean, this Charger team's talented, but again, you know, as I wrote about in Football Done Right, the Houston Oilers, love you, blue, were talented, and they couldn't beat anybody. 
But back Mac and Bosa, they can't get one pressure. Yeah. They can't get one hit on the guy. I mean, come on now. One more game I want to get to before we have to hit the break here. Just two days after becoming the highest paid player in NFL history, Joe Burrow and the mm. Bengals put up a rough performance, fall 24-3 to to the Browns as a two-point favorite. So the Browns clash, plus 110 on the money line. Total goes under. Unders now, by the way, 6-1, and one, and Deshaun Watson starts for Cleveland. But Burrow, I know he's coming off the calf strain, didn't have any work in preseason 14 of 31, 45% completions, a career worst, 82 yards passing, Michael, no touchdowns. That's the first time he's ever not at least thrown for 100 yards in a football game. This was bad. Yeah, well, the weather was really a factor. The weather was really a factor in this game. Yeah, we saw him trying to put the gloves on. and It was hard. I mean, the ball, even for Watson, the ball was slipping over, but... When you take that away, I think what we talked about all offseason, Stormy, you and I, Jim Schwartz made a difference. His defense was really good. Now, it's not going to be this good because of the weather and the elements, but it was really good. And, and, and they controlled the line of scrimmage. And I thought Kevin Stefanski grew up. There was a play in the fourth quarter, fourth and two, third quarter, fourth and two, that last year at his own 45, he would have gone for it. But he didn't. He punted because his defense was playing that well. He had no fourth down attempts mm-hmm. in this game. Can you imagine that? Out of Kevin Stefanski, no fourth down attempts. So he's he's kind of grown up a little bit and changed. So I, I think that's certainly a help. Uh, and they're good on defense. Watson was, again, the offense was hard. He made a run. He had a couple good throws in there, had a chance to hit a couple receivers down the field. The ball was too short. They had, they had Mar- Marquise Goodwin behind the defense twice, couldn't get the ball to him. But it was a good win for Cleveland. They dominated the game from start to finish. And Burrow, we talked about this too. They start slow. Last year, five interceptions. This year, weather. You know, they just weren't there. And Cleveland can run the football. And when they can run the football on you, it's a problem. Yeah, you mentioned the slow starts. Now one and four straight up the last five week one games. Uh, just an out-of-sync performance for the Bengals. And, and to your point, like the Browns' defense was really good. And, I mean, made my Miles Garrett defensive player of the year pick from week one look, look pretty nice here. They forced the Bengals to punt 10 times mm-hmm. on 14 possessions. Great third down defense, as you talked about, held Cincinnati 2 of 15. This is a defense that, I mean, you have them picked to win this division that I think really could carry them to that or to the playoffs if they continue to play at that level. It was really fun to watch. Yeah, they are. And, I mean, look, we said this on the show yesterday, too. That, you know, I hated to break the news to Jonah Williams, but Garrett was going to follow him. And, and the key play of the game on fourth and two when Cincinnati tried to kind of get back into it you know, Jonah Jonah had Garrett lined up right over him. And, of course, he sacked Burrow, and, you know, the ball got turned over, and they put the game away. Look, Cleveland's good. Now, they're not going to play this great a defense every single week, but they're good. They're good up front, and they can move the football. And Watson looks like he's a better player. Browns have the Steelers next week. Bengals face Baltimore. We'll be right back. We got TG Thomas Gable coming up next. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. 
Get rewarded before you ever place a bet with the G-Bank Visa Signature Card. Unlike other credit cards that decline sports betting transactions or treat them as a cash advance, the G-Bank Visa Signature Card can load directly to your favorite sportsbook apps. You'll earn a 1% cash reward on gaming and sports app loads every time and 2% on other purchases. G-Bank Visa, a card designed for the gaming and sports fans everywhere and works with apps like DraftKings, BetMGM, and Caesars. To learn more, go to g.bank slash vsin. That's g.bank slash v-s-i-n. Alongside Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bonantoni with you. And I I tweeted yesterday, Michael, that despite it being months and months of us all just clamoring and being so excited for the NFL being back yesterday, I mean, you're screaming at your TV, you're angry, people pissed off all over the place for bad beats. And that's how we know we're getting it going and the season is is off and running. (laughs) There's no doubt. There's, I mean... And then the calls. I mean, I was yelling at Scott Novak pretty much the whole day. I, Sean Hockley, it's, it's, it's so good to have it, you know. And then when some of these decisions come in, it just drives me crazy. But that's why TG's got the biggest chandelier in all of time. I mean, that's why they win all the time. Exactly. So you teed it up perfectly. Time to go behind the counter with our guy, Thomas Gable, director of the recent sportsbook at the Borgata out there in Atlantic City. Uh, let's talk through some of the big decisions yesterday, TG, because it was a it was chaos at its finest, I think, for a lot of betters out there. It was, and we found ourselves in a very uncommon spot. Uh, when the one o'clock or the early slate of games kicked off there. So there were eight uh, early games yesterday, and we actually needed the favorite to cover in all eight. Uh, That's very, very unusual uh, for us. And obviously favorites, uh, I think, went four and four there uh, in that early slate. So uh, not sure what games you guys have already touched on, but, you know, the, the Niners and Steelers, that game was over very early and the Steelers were a very, very popular dog here. I think pretty much popular everywhere, certainly popular in contests and, and so forth. And um, so the Niners winning that um, was, was decent for us. Uh, the, the, the biggest loss in the early games though, were, were the Browns and the Bengals. Um, the, Browns ended up uh, at one point going down to a pick in uh, in certain places. Uh, we actually closed that game Cincinnati laying one. And uh, again, obviously the, the Browns coming away there with the 24-3 victory. So that was the biggest loser for us in the early games. And then if, uh, you know, people who were watching the, the commanders and Cardinals, I mean, all those survivor uh, people who had the commanders, they had to, uh, uh, to hold their breath throughout for that. And I mean, the commanders were in so many money line parlays and, and so forth. So uh, people, you know, obviously we're sweating that one out there. And then uh, as we got into the late afternoon games, the, uh, the Eagles didn't do us any favors. I thought they were very fortunate, not only to cover, I thought they were fortunate to win that game period. Uh, but they, they did cover uh, winning by five there. Uh, so that one didn't go our way. The, um, the Dolphins and the Chargers game, that one was was good for us. Um, that closed three. And the uh, the actually the the big loser on the late slate, besides the Eagles, was uh, the the Packers and the Bears. Uh, people were certainly uh, back in Green Bay here, and Packers came through in a big way. And now Femi, I'm sure uh, he's 
probably crying about his MVP tickets <laughs> on Justin Fields there. You guys are so uh, bad but, to my guy Femi. <laughs> well, listen, he He's got the himself. ticket. I mean, we got to talk yeah. when we got to, you know, if you see it, yeah. you got to say it, Stormy. That's what I wrote about with Cosell said. Yeah. You know, you got to say it. So he brings it on himself. He really does. Um, and, you know, seeing the Rams there beat the Seahawks outright. Uh, good result there, but uh, we, we did take some some late Rams money yesterday, and then last night, really the, the whole day ended up coming down to last night's <laughs> game, and uh, the Giants backers were out in full force here. Uh, I expected them to be, and of course, you know that game was essentially over. You know, in the second quarter, it was uh, just a drubbing there uh, from the Cowboys. Uh, I don't think. The Cal- I shouldn't say I don't think the Giants uh, are as bad as they looked last night. Uh, so don't overreact there uh, on the Giants. Uh, but the Cowboys, again, you know this team is expected to uh, compete for that division with the Eagles this year, and uh, I, you know, you can certainly see why off of uh, last night. Yeah, I mean, look, the the to me, the, it was one game, right? The Giants and everybody. I kind of thought they would play much better. And they got when they got behind and when they get behind, they can't play from behind. They need to play kind of close and it stay attached. And, you know, when they go three and out after the pump block, all of a sudden things started to fall apart, TG. But, you know, when you look at this, when you go over the first weekend and you see all these, what was the main game in there? And at what point did you think Washington was going to lose that game? <laughs> I thought many times that Washington was going to lose that game. Um, I, and I just kept thinking to myself, oh, it's going to be complete chaos there in, in Survivor. Um, and in uh, all these people's money line parlays are going to be uh, burned up. Uh, but the, the other game that really was surprising to me was San Francisco and Pittsburgh and, and just yeah. how dominant San Francisco was. Purdy, you know, obviously answered a lot of questions there. Um, my concern, and I, you kind of alluded to it with the Cowboys and Giants, my concern for this Steelers team is what happens when they fall behind. Is Pickett yeah. good enough to get them back into games if they fall behind early? I, I have that concern coming into this year about them, that, that Pickett is not – he's a game manager, but he, I'm just not high – on him overall. And, you know, only four teams had fewer yards per play last year on offense than them. Um, he didn't turn the ball over last year. Great. But I just have concerns that if they fall behind early, the Steelers team is going to have a hard time getting back into games. Here with Thomas Gable, director of the Racing Sportsbook, out there at the Borgata. And uh, just to chime in, one last thing. I love the reply, Michael, to your tweet asking about Femi's torn up MVP ticket. Sports Pick Magic said he's probably too busy getting ready to celebrate another September championship for his favorite team. <laughs> so <laughs> brutal. You know even, the, even the GM Shuffle listeners are chiming in on this. Y'all are bad. Okay, let's turn the page real quickly to Monday Night Football. We got a big one coming up tonight between the Bills and Jets and a ton of betting interest, obviously, in this game. A big market team mm-hmm. like New York with their star quarterback coming to town and Aaron Rodgers taking on a team in the Bills that we know has been a contender year in and year out and seeing if they can make a run this season. Where are the numbers sitting for you right now? now and do you have a good feeling of where this might close so you're seeing kind of numbers all over the boy the two and a half twos uh, we're one and a half uh right now we're getting jets money uh as expected here I, you know 
this being September 11th, uh, you know, there's going to be obviously a lot of uh, feeling in the air tonight in uh, the Meadowlands there. And uh, it's going to be an emotional night, I think. And the, the Jets, you know, Aaron Rodgers' debut at home, there's just a whole heck of a lot of storylines going into this game. And the Jets here, I, we're, we're going to need the Bills. I don't, I don't doubt that for a second. You know, the ticket count here is almost two to one on the Jets. The money's almost two to one on the Jets. Uh, the total has fallen um, quite a few points from where we opened it. it. It was up to 47 and a half very early on. Uh, when again, this game's been on the board for months now, uh, so keep that in mind. But total's now at 44 and a half, so it's fallen three points from its high point, um, and. Uh, you're, you're starting to see uh, much more money come in here on the under, but uh, I, I just think, you know, for us, it, it's going to come down to just can the bills uh, cover this short number, but um, you know, at least here, people seem to be forgetting about the bills. I mean, this is still one of the best teams I think in the AFC. And uh, while all the hype has been on the jets in the preseason, I, I mean, I, you can't, you can't overlook the bills here in this spot. No, you can't. And like everybody was all over the Giants too, right? I mean, I mean, yeah. I know the Cowboys. The money split was right down the middle, but there seemed to be a lot more popularity with it, you know, in terms of that. So I, I agree with you. It's going to be look. The the Jets have played Buffalo. They beat them last year. They played them in both games. They played them well. Their fronts got to really play well tonight. That's going to be the key. They got to play well up front. Yeah, certainly uh, that's the biggest question mark about this Jets team. TG, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, right, TG. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Mike. Hey, hey, Stormy, before we go to break, I have a little nugget for you. On, I love it. I just thought about this. Uh, you know, you were giving me, I'm, you say I'm a little too hard on Brendan Staley, the genius coach. You know, cause, do you realize, do you realize, since the Jacksonville second half, he's forced one punt in six quarters. I'm just saying. <laughs> he's a defensive mastermind one punt in six quarters it is rough when you think about the last two times that we've had a look at the chargers it is letting it go deter of anybody they think he's great i told a guy on twitter you need pearl vision center we'll get you a discount i mean like at some point what are you watching let up a 27 point lead in the playoffs and then obviously not able one to finish punt. the job when you needed to here in week one great stuff uh we'll get back to our recap of week one in the nfl when we return on the lombardi line witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 
2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. We've been spending all day talking about it. The NFL season has kicked off, ladies and gentlemen, and you can get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code VEGAS to get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just $5 on any NFL wager. Only DraftKings Sportsbook. Use the code VEGAS, the crown is yours. We're rolling along here on the first official NFL Monday of the regular season. Stormy Bonantoni and Michael Lombardi with you. And Michael, there was a lot of talk coming into this season about how some of these rookie quarterbacks might perform. All three of these guys that were taken in the top four of this year's NFL draft unfortunately lose their opening debut. Some looking worse than others. Uh, what were your some of your big takeaways from the rookies, and who do you feel like outshined the rest? Well, you gave out the stat a couple of weeks ago about rookies in opening games and how bad those numbers were going to look, and they proved to be completely correct the way you predicted. And to me, what I think is the underlying problem here is that because they're new and because they're inexperienced and because preseason is very vanilla, when you start the game, you have a kind of a level of, okay, here's what we're going to do. For example, Baltimore played Houston. Houston had two 10-play-plus drives in the first half. But what happens is once you declare how you want to play the game with a rookie quarterback, you don't have, you don't have a part two to that de- declaration. It's hard to adjust. It's hard to go in another direction. So f- to keep it simple, you kind of run out of plays. I mean, to be simplistic about it, right? You run out of plays. And then the defense kind of hones in on what they want to do, and it requires the quarterback to have to execute. And especially when we get into the fourth quarter, we saw this with Richardson yesterday. We saw this with Stroud. We saw this with with all of them. I mean, with Bryce Young as well. You know, he throws a second-half interception, you know, kind of the same way through the first-half one. I just think this is the growing pains. This is the deal you signed up for. When you take a rookie quarterback and you play him, whereas like with Sam Howell, he made a lot of mistakes that the the Washington commanders were trying to give the game away. But in the fourth quarter, there was still enough that he could get to it and they could get him out. Why? Not because he's better than the other three, only because he has more experience and he has more volume in his playbook. That's the biggest issue. 
Were you surprised with, with Anthony Richardson? His stat line, by the way, finished the day 223 pass yards, 40 on the ground, two total touchdowns. He, he had some moments, took some big hits as well. But with him specifically, were you surprised we didn't see more designed runs? Because that was something yeah. watching the preseason I felt was lacking. And I thought, oh, maybe once they get into regular, regular season play, they'll utilize those tools a little bit more. And they didn't really. Yeah, I, I kind of, I, I, you know, to me, I, I've been, I would say I'm a little bit leery of him as a runner. I, I, you know, he's got a great 40 time and all that, but his quickness as the runner is an elite. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't have that Lamar Jackson. It's more power. And the problem is with that power, you get into trouble, he's going to get hit a lot. You know, I mean, he's a big man, but he's also going to get hit. We saw that with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts took some hits yesterday now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think Jalen Hurts woke up this morning saying, boy, I feel chipper. <laughs> I feel great. He took some hits, you know. And you can't run that much. So, you know, he had 10 carries for just 40 yards. His long was 12. I was. I expected him to miss guys open. I expected him to try to force the ball in there. You know, I expected him to – but I, I expected him to make some plays. But I think, too, what shined brightly for me watching that game was the Colts don't have any playmakers on offense. Mm-hmm. They really don't. They need, their, they need to help Richardson. They need A.J. Brown. Quick they re- need somebody – to help him get over the top. Quick thoughts on the week two matchup where we have the Colts facing the Texans in this spot. The Texans are favored by one. It's a pick em game, total 40. But uh, pretty interesting that right out the gates, we're going to have two teams that are, you know, have a tough road ahead with their rookie quarterbacks facing off. Yeah, I'm surprised the Texans are favored because the Texans wear down as the game goes on. They're not big defense. They play hard now. They had 7-6 lead at halftime. And for all the conversation about Todd Munkin and this new wave Baltimore offense, I never saw it. Now, Dobbins gets hurt early in the game, unfortunately, tears his Achilles. But they never were in rhythm to me. They made a few plays in the passing game, but Lamar did not look good at all. In fact, if you had Lamar in fantasy, the only reason I know this is because the great Bill Berman has him, and I've heard nothing but complaints about he was minus one in his fantasy team, although he did draft (laughs) Tyree Kill, so let's not cry for him. Okay, he does have to – he won his game easily. But to me, you know, I, I didn't, when I watched Baltimore's offense, I wasn't in love. Now, they dominated the fourth quarter. They dominated the second half, which good teams do. But they did not look sharp to me offensively. And, and I think Houston, I'm surprised they're favored against – against a Colt team, which I think is more rounded than Houston. I thought very similarly on that. And and with that season-ending Achilles tear for J.K. Dobbins, by the way, the Ravens will split running backs Gus Edwards and Justice Hill moving forward. 25-9 to the final there. The Ravens do ultimately get the cover. That was the largest spread of our opening week. And an interesting note here on, on rookie quarterbacks starting in week one as we kind of round out that conversation. In the 80s, only five rookie quarterbacks started in week one throughout that decade. Same thing in the 90s. So pretty interesting to have three of them start yesterday because it's not something yeah. historically we saw very much. You mentioned Jalen Hurts uh, getting taken down here. Let's go to the Eagles here briefly because, yes, that, that offensive line for Philadelphia that I did largely expect to be uh, among the best in the league this year had uh, a hard time keeping that pocket clean for their quarterback. He was pressured 19 times, sacked three times. And to Thomas Gable's point a little bit ago, uh, probably lucky not only to cover this game, but to win yesterday against the Patriots. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots missed missed Devontae Parker yesterday. He wasn't out there. I think he would have given them a big playability that they needed. I mean, there's a couple throws that Mac Jones had. He had born behind the defense that he just couldn't get him the ball. You know, the weather was a factor in the game, too. But 
you know, I, I and and Philly didn't make any big plays in the game. I think their longest play was tw- was was uh, twenty three yards. So you know that that's not typically what Philly does. I mean, AJ Brown typically is going to make an explosive play. They held Smith to six point seven yards. I mean, they did a nice job defensively. They just they committed. They did exactly what they did last year. They turned the ball over. And until New England stops turning the ball over offensively, they're going to have a hard time winning games. And that's been that was the problem. That game was there for the taking. I I, I wasn't. I, I understand why Sirianni went for it on fourth and two. But I, again, here's what my problem: if he was watching the same game I was watching, I didn't think New England could go 80 yards and beat him. Mm-hmm. But go 50 yards, you might beat him. Uh, credit the Patriots for rallying back and, and pulling back into this game. Got down 16-0 early on those two early turnovers, but Mac Jones picked it up 35 of 54. He finished with 316 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, for the Eagles, I, I know you liked Jalen Carter for Defensive Rookie of the Year. How did he impress you week one? Well, I think the, you know, it's funny. The Jalen Carter's got the PR on the machine going on, you know, on the Monday morning columns. But the Patriots started two rookie fourth-round guards in there, and they played Fair pretty point. good. Yeah, they played really good in there. I mean, you know, he got sacked twice, but the sack, the Carter sack came in the four, late in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was under some pressure, but they got rid of the ball quickly, and those guys played well. Three of the five starting offensive linemen for New England had never played for him before, and two of the guards, the So and Mapu were backups. I mean, they were fourth-round picks that were supposed to kind of ease their way into the game, and they held up there. So credit to New England. I mean, New England had it going. They just couldn't get that one or two plays. I mean, the first interception, he's got – I don't know who he was throwing it to. Hunter, was he throwing it to Bourne? It looked kind of – and then, then Elliott turns the ball over, and then all of a sudden things fell apart. Patriots, uh, this coming week getting two and a half against the Dolphins – Total in that one, 46. The Eagles, meanwhile, will Another, readjust. Uh, Patriots are dogs again at home. I mean, at some point, that's going to cash, right? You would think, but I, I think the Dolphins are going to be a little bit of a tough test based on what we saw this opening weekend against L.A. But, but well, great you know, point. You got you to put, put that away because yeah. the difference between Belichick and Staley is the difference between Tokyo <laughs> and Munich, okay? That's how far <laughs> apart that is. Let me just put that. Defensively, that's the difference. So... Like, like part of that's the betting tip of the day. Don't take one week and trans. Like, Tyree kills great, a number one receiver in football. I'm the president of his fan club. However, there are when the minute he gets off that bus in Foxborough, there are going to be two guys surrounding him, one high and one low. <laughs> I was going to say, I have, I have this weird sinking feeling that. Bill Belichick might want to double Tyree Kill. I, you know, just yeah, to... I, don't, I don't think I've got to remind him of that. Like, if I said that to him, I think he would, no, really? You think I should? I mean, like, really? The Eagles, meanwhile, uh, they're going to turn the page next week as a seven and a half point favorite against the Vikings, total 48 and a half in that one. And boy, what a stink show it was for Minnesota, who should have had a significant lead after the first yep. half of that game yesterday, but instead, three turnovers and Kirk Cousins just unable to put it together that was the biggest loser in survivor yesterday because the commanders were able to pull it off one of my three survivor tickets burned in the donation pile thanks to minnesota love that for me michael brutal brutal Um, i wish i had bought i you know i'm I'm doing it but i'm not playing it i can't i i thought baltimore was the safest play i i said it i wrote it in my thing i thought they were the safest play Safest, but a team that you might want to use down the line. Yeah, so I, don't I probably hear that. I, I outsmarted myself. What are you gonna do?
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free 